0: that will pay more dividends than a successful romantic partnership. I'm speaking from experience. I have gained material wealth, have millions of followers, won awards, top sales and downloads charts, and yet nothing, and I mean literally nothing, has brought me as much joy and emotional well-being as my 21-year marriage. If you want to master life, start with mastering pair bonding. That is why I wanted to bring on today's guest, the controversial psychology teacher and relationship expert, Sadia Khan. We are part of a slow motion train wreck, boys and girls. Something about modern living is making building a successful love life very, very difficult. Now, I cannot promise you that everyone is going to like Sadia, but I can promise that no matter how inflammatory some people find her perspective, it is sincere. And I believe that her insights on the dangers of women embracing a narcissistic form of feminism, the importance of monogamy, and why rich men get cheated on more than poor men all deserve your very close consideration. If you're like most people that I've had listen to this episode, it's going to have you rethinking much of what you thought you knew about how. How to be successful in relationships and speaking of being successful at the most important things in life if you haven't already be sure to subscribe to our ad free feed on apple podcasts you'll get access to bonus content you can't find anywhere else and now boys and girls buckle up i'm tom Bilyeu, and i bring you the one and only sadia khan
1: We are attracted to men that fulfill their potential. If your motivation for becoming rich is getting more women, you have to think about the quality of women. If it takes money to access her, you are replaceable.
0: I want to start with a quote from you, if I may. What social media is doing, what this woke culture is doing, is destroying femininity and replacing it with narcissism and telling them that's feminism. And you've also said that modern dating is just training for divorce. Mm -hmm. Now, if you had to get specific, what problems is modern dating creating exactly? And if you could control the social media algorithms, what values would you want to present to people to make them better at romantic relationships?
1: What an amazing question. Thank you for asking such an insightful question. I think what's happened, and I don't mean mean to blame the audience, the reality is we're not designed for this level of exposure to human beings as we are being exposed to in this current climate. We have social media, we have internet, we have uh, dating apps, we have the ability to get webcam girls pornography, we have such an exposure to humans that we've never been able to do or nor are we prepared for so what's happened is when it comes to forming relationships it's done the opposite what it's done is made people crave connections but have no idea where to start and how to connect so the reality is what I mean when I say we've turned narcissism into and labelled it as feminism. Unfortunately, the advent of social media has accelerated the status of women um, far more than it has for men. What social media has done is allowed women a platform to kind of showcase their body, their um, preferences, basically put themselves on the marketplace. Men don't really have that same access. So we're creating that um, division between them. And what it's done is allowed women to leverage their beauty in a way that they've never been able to do before. Before, if you were a beautiful girl, you were just beautiful in your city and people would like you, but you'd marry the guy in the city and you'd have a great life. Unfortunately, now, if you're a beautiful girl, you can be a beautiful girl to the world and you can have a million followers. So it makes every man disposable. Any man she's with essentially becomes disposable. So unfortunately, what's happening is women are learning that they become this almost like a deity in terms of beauty in a way that they've never had before. So that's what I think is happening for women in terms of men, the main problem that's occurring is the access to pornography and the access to beautiful women. What that is doing is them seeing all these beautiful girls thinking, I want those girls, but I don't want rejection. So what I'll do is find a way to access those girls. And it comes in the form of pornography or webcams or anything like that. So what's happening is we're distancing the sexes from each other through the advent of the internet. And if I could control the algorithm, I, I would wish there was a way of people being as honest and sincere as they possibly could be and removing their idea of trying to protect themselves in the form of idolizing money or sex because that's usually what people are doing. They're protecting themselves. They're going into relationships saying, I just want someone rich. Or a man is protecting his ego saying, I just want someone who's good at sex. They don't really want to get vulnerable with each other. I wish people could put that aside and put their true values of vulnerability and authenticity as a forefront. And then the algorithm could find them somebody along those lines rather than feeding their ego.
0: It's an amazing breakdown of the problem set. What's the point of a relationship?
1: Uh, I would imagine the the point of a relationship is to kind of create a shared meaning and purpose. Now, throughout history, that's always been to create a family, like a shared meaning and purpose, but it doesn't have to be primarily a family. I've noticed in couples that don't embark on a family, they find a shared meaning and purpose in the form of a business or in the form of shared extended families. Maybe their brothers and the sisters get on really well. Maybe they have nieces and nephews or whatever. They create a shared meaning and purpose. Now, relationships which lack a shared meaning and purpose in the form of each either parenting or same values or anything, they tend to end up drifting apart. So the purpose of a relationship is somebody that you can enjoy life with whilst maintaining a shared purpose and meaning that is aligned to one another.
0: I have a growing thesis Mm -hmm. about why modern dating is as problematic as it is. What is it about social media? I I had never come to the conclusion that this is access to too many people problem. Mm -hmm. The thing that I worry about is that, what the algorithms end up doing is they hyper fragment us mm-hmm. so that whether it's uh, only fans or pornography, you're able to pick a very narrow thing that you want mm-hmm. and you can indulge so deeply in that thing that you lose sight of what you're calling shared meaning and purpose. Mm-hmm. I always think of it as shared narratives. Okay. If we don't share an understanding of what the purpose of a relationship is, then we're approaching the problem with a distorted frame of reference. Mm-hmm. Now, my audience has heard me talk a lot about frame of reference, but just to set the table for this conversation. So your frame of reference is the distorted lens through which you view the entire world. There is no way for it not to be distorted without getting into (laughs) postmodernism. While uh, I violently disagree with the postmodernist interpretation of the world, I understand how they end up going down that path Mm -hmm. because identifying what is objectively true is very difficult Mm -hmm. when we have a brain that has to simplify the world. And to simplify it, it basically creates a simulation. Right. And so we view the simulation and mistake it for objective reality. Right. So the algorithms allow you to really unintentionally Get this hyper distorted view of what the world is, what women is, what a relationship is, Mm -hmm. what sex is, but you don't realize it's happening. Right. So you don't realize that you're coming to a conclusion Mm -hmm. about what a relationship is. Mm -hmm. It just happens. Right. And so you get the red pill or you get the Mm -hmm. black pill. Right. And you get people that have Mm -hmm. a very unhelpful setup in terms of if you're right and relationships are about shared meaning and purpose, mm-hmm. I think you and I would both agree that the North star, when you think about living your life well, is human flourishing. Yeah, What is going to, it's not happiness, I call it fulfillment, but if you think of it as what's going to make me feel good in the widest mm-hmm. variety of situations possible, mm-hmm. that sort of gets you in the right direction. So this hyperfragmentation, Creation of a distorted lens mm-hmm. by which you value what relationships are, mm-hmm. then lead people down a road where they don't flourish. Right. So it's interesting that you you singled in on this idea of shared meaning and purpose. So if we have access to too many people,
1: mm-hmm.
0: how do we begin building shared meaning and purpose when we get together in relationships?
1: Well, the thing is, unfortunately, we have to look at our values. And once we know what our values are, we lo- have to start learning to reject rather than um, glorifying the one ingredient we like. So what I mean by that is, say, for example, I meet a man who just glorifies beauty, having a beautiful partner, it monopolizes his brain. So what will happen is he might meet a beautiful woman, and the beauty of her will allow him to kind of submit to all of of her demands no matter how unreasonable they are so she might be asking for more money than he's got for, he's prepared to give or she might be uh, disrespectful she might be cheating on him she might be doing this they're forgetting all of what the ingredients a healthy relationship looks like and focusing on an egotistical desire similarly if a man has money a woman might ignore all of the other red flags and just fo- glorify this one e- extrinsic trait so what i would say is if you want to start a healthy relationship make sure you have a balance of values what you really look for in a relationship rather than what you look for to boost your ego. The people that glorify one ingredient tend to have uh, lacked that at some stage in their life or lacked access to that at some stage. So they glorify it and they allow all other behaviors to be ignored. But then it eventually leads to a divorce. It eventually leads to children's homes being broken down. It eventually leads to people being crippled in the future when it comes to starting relationships again. It's so destructive. So I would say if you want a healthy relationship, have a look at your values. To make sure that they are healthy. And is the person you're attaching to ticking all of the boxes, or are they just fulfilling an egotistical desire that you have at the moment? All
0: right. I've heard you say that you actually understand the logic of arranged marriages. Yes. And I, if I understood correctly, yeah. because of this idea of shared values, Yes, what is the logic of an arranged marriage?
1: Essentially, what psychology has always found is when two people come from similar backgrounds, they have a higher rate of them becoming successful in a relationship only because they understand each other's norms and values in a way that nobody else can if i understand that you know let's say for example silent treatment was given in my house i know to give you silent you're giving me silent treatment we'll get back to normal i understand that pathology in you or if i understand that you know it can even be in a toxic way if i understand sometimes some people swear at each other then you get back together we understand each other's norms and values what arranged marriages do is two parents will choose parents who are similar to them. So what will happen is they have children who have been raised sev- relatively similar. So those two people, when they get together, tend to have shared norms and values. So there's an element of uh, unspoken understanding that doesn't exist when two people in the real world are just meeting each other randomly, especially now that we have dating apps and I can meet a man in Colombia and a Colombian man can meet a woman in Ghana. It's so different. So we're only going to end up attaching on egotistical desires, either because we like each other the way each other's looks or we might get on with the same music or might have the same taste in movies. But our actual upbringings are very difficult and uh, different and norms and values are very different. So that's why I think I can understand the logic behind arranged marriages more now than ever before.
0: Now, would you actually, like, would you like your parents to arrange your marriage?
1: I always rebelled against it, but now I wish I listened. Really? <laughs> yeah, sometimes I'm now like, oh, maybe I should have listened. Um, only because there was an element of you just assume you're losing your autonomy. But what you're actually doing is you're um, trusting the process a little bit more. So I think I, I could have probably made it work more if I was when I was younger. But at the time, because I felt so controlled in other areas of my life, this is the one area where they gave me some leeway so i was like you're not controlling that part but had they been more lenient in other areas i probably would have let allowed them more insight into the partner i choose
0: that's interesting are you married
1: no no so it's I, not in. too late. It's not too late, but I'm committed. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so you're yeah, in a relationship. Yeah, yeah, got yeah. Got Now,
0: how does he feel about you saying, I maybe I should have left
1: him? It, I think the thing is, because I'm so traditional at heart, he understands where this comes from. Obviously, he, like we're lucky that we have the same norms and values, which is where we really we got lucky. Um, but because I have a very traditional mindset, and I don't know how or why, I grew up in London. I grew up in an entirely English school. I didn't have any... Muslim or uh, Pakistani friends. But for some reason, I, I I kind of found myself orientated towards a traditional value system. And I really don't know where it came from. But I just internalized those traditional values from a really young age. And so now I can always see things from the lens of tradition rather than in the lens of modernism. And mm. I don't know why. It's interesting.
0: Were you traditional as I assume the traditional values came from your family?
1: I, and religion. Do you know what it was? I naturally got attached to God from quite a young age. I don't know what it was. I started to feel like I couldn't trust people. So I started putting trust in God. And I think what happens then through life, I ended up looking at life through the lens of religion. And if it was acceptable by religion, then I probably would question it less. But if it was going against religion, I'd start questioning the what's going on in society. And that led me to kind of have, forming my own opinion. So, I'd question things more, particularly because everything I was around was against what I was being taught, told by God. So, I'd end up questioning it, questioning it. And I found my own kind of rhythm with psychology.
0: Very interesting. Okay. So, I want to understand as you're taking on these traditional values, yeah. you're somebody who's very aware of the soup of life that you're in. Yeah. Uh, for people that know your content, mm-hmm. they've seen you talk a lot about you you are of the culture. Mm -hmm. Like you're from Dubai, not from Dubai, but you live in Dubai Dubai now. When you talk about modern dating, Mm -hmm. you're talking about it from that perspective. This is what it's like. This is what I see you coach in this area. So you definitely get the space. I would assume that's something you've always been good at. So I'm curious as you were growing up, you're weighing sort of, okay, religion is telling me this. Mm -hmm. I see people doing the opposite of that. Yeah. Were you looking at that and going, Uh, it doesn't seem to make them happy? Was that the thing that you checked it against?
1: I think so. I think what happened is I had a choice, especially now like living abroad away from, uh, you know, the prying eyes of parents or anything. I had a choice. I could either live my life accordance to the rules of God or I could be like, screw that, I'm doing the exact opposite of what I've been told by God, which is what a lot of religious people do when they finally find freedom. But when I looked at doing the opposite of what God prescribed, I found that it looked like mayhem. So, uh, for example, I'm not allowed to drink. The opposite would be to get really drunk. But when I would see people doing that, it didn't look like something I would enjoy. Uh, Or I'm not allowed to have like sex and all this stuff and casuals. When I looked at people who were enjoying in that, I saw the negative consequences of children, like and then having the abortion debate and all these things. And I just thought doing the opposite doesn't look healthy psychologically. So I ended up going more towards a tradition while staying very alert and aware of what was going on in the real world because all my friends do indulge and I'm not judgmental. So I ended up being really good friends with people who do, but I just realized it wasn't good for me personally. Ooh. Mm -hmm.
0: Do you really think it's just you personally or do you not think it's pretty universal?
1: I would say it's universal, but I don't want to, like, you know, put my views on there. <laughs> but for, for me, I just feel no rule. And I know it's like a lot of people find my religion misogynistic and they find it really negative. But there was no rule when I look at the opposite Did I think the opposite is better. For example, we might have, as women have to cover. I know I don't. But, you know, we're, we're supposed to cover. When I look at what the opposite looks like, the opposite might be like pornography, women, only fans that the opposite doesn't look healthy to me. I'm sure there's a good middle ground, but when we live in quite a polarizing kind of universe, I know which side I'd rather be on. And so that's what made me always, every time I see the opposite, and because I live in a world now because of technology, I can literally see what the opposite of religion looks like. It looks like OnlyFans. It looks like, you know, uh, like lots of sexual promiscuity. It looks like getting drunk a lot. I just thought the opposite doesn't make sense to me. So it means that the restrictions actually might be healthy for me personally
0: mm. it's interesting so do you, do you I, drink alcohol i do occasionally yeah. but not very often How come? uh it makes me feel like i'm suppressing the urge to dance on a table <laughs> which is wonderful <laughs> yeah. and i love that feeling yeah. the reason i don't do it is entirely yeah because it's brutal on the body. Right. And so I don't like the way it makes me feel the next day. Mm -hmm. And uh, I worry that it shortens my lifespan. But if it didn't, like if it didn't make me feel bad, I would have no problem doing it on the weekends and having fun. I'm a hyper-disciplined, goal-oriented person. Mm -hmm. So I'd never do it during the week. Mm -hmm. That's a whole different thing. Right. So I want to go back to religion. So I am, uh, I grow increasingly fascinated by the role of religion, Mm -hmm. why it lasted, as long as it did Mm -hmm. why it seemed to dip for a while and seems to be coming back yeah my hypothesis goes like this Mm -hmm. i think it's something like religion was humans are a storytelling species that's what we do we we are all about simplifying the world turning it into a meme that can be passed on Mm -hmm. and religion is the ultimate meme spreader Right. And so when something works and to, um, you're Islamic. Yeah. Okay. So to use a law that you guys put in place, mm-hmm. um, don't eat pork. Yeah. Now my gut instinct is that the reason that became true is because of, um, is it trigonosis? I think yeah. it's the, the thing if you undercook pork. Yeah. And so. You don't necessarily, I mean, you don't have the the scientific data to back up, but yeah. you know something's wrong. Yeah. And so you're like, ah, that's <laughs> not a great idea. Yeah. And in, an, in trying to explain it to people, it ends up becoming a part of a yeah. oral tradition at first of course and then ultimately gets written down and that becomes the word of god yeah and so it is it is a very useful tactic whether mm-hmm. on purpose or on accident i don't know uh, yeah. you know how this ends up forming but it is a very useful thing mm-hmm. to put it in the mouth of god yeah. and say god says don't do this thing
1: to like legitimize it
0: yeah exactly mm-hmm. so don't have kids out of yeah. wedlock why because you they are less likely to survive right yeah. so I think religion ultimately is basically the the ultimate way to get a very good idea to cross mm-hmm. over time. And that if one were to write the Bible today it would say things like, don't do an OnlyFans account.
1: (laughs) Uh, You know, make sure
0: that you You uh, have values as you go into your marriage. Like whatever the things are that are going to lead to human flourishing in that moment. And the reason that these ideas stay and cross through so much time is because they're so useful. Right. And that's where this gets really intriguing Mm -hmm. to me for people now. So going back to shared narratives. Yeah. Religion gave people shared narratives. Yes. They made made it easier to make the right choices Mm -hmm. because you didn't have to reinvent the wheel. So
1: prescribed for you. Exactly. I
0: think a lot about culture stacks, Mm -hmm. meaning I don't have to rediscover electricity. I'm born into a world that has electricity. I don't have to rediscover the printing press or the wheel. Mm -hmm. And as we invent things like the printing press Mm -hmm. and the internet, now all of a sudden ideas can travel fast. Right. My growing concern is that there's too much velocity of information now. We'll set that aside. Mm -hmm. But religion was sort of that initial way to get these ideas to, um, for the smart ideas in culture Mm -hmm. to be easily transmissible to the next generation so that they could stand on the shoulder of giants. Okay. Um,
1: So to make them concise and clear so people know what they're doing, don't have to think.
0: Exactly. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah, just you follow the word of God and things are going to be better. But now if you had to, abstract the values Mm -hmm. that people should be imbuing as they come into a relationship Mm -hmm. instead of necessarily saying because god said so if you had to distill it to the values that just make humans thrive yeah what values are those
1: it would be um is my behavior going to lead to a long-lasting stable connection between the two of us now if we always you think that's better so long-lasting relationships long-lasting why Why is that good um because i think what happens with long-lasting firstly they're more likely to create a shared meaning and purpose um also what happens is you you end up knowing that you start to learn to reject things. If I know I'm going to stay with you forever, what will happen is I reject maybe you know going to clubs every night because I know who I'm going to be home with. I reject dating multiple people at the same time. I reject sleeping around because I know where I'm ending up.
0: But why are those good things?
1: Um, what I would say is the plethora of options reduces our satisfaction in anything anyway. So the idea, what monogamy does is it allows you to focus. It doesn't mean good or bad. But what I mean by this is if I'm only dating you, and it's just you, at least in that two or three months where I'm just focusing on you, I either learn that you're the love of my life or I learn that you're terrible for me and I should never speak to you again. But if I dilute my experience with you by also talking to Tom, Dick and Harry, what will happen is I'm wasting energy not realizing that you might be really bad for me, but I haven't noticed because I'm also seeing Tom, Dick and Harry or you might be amazing for me. Again, I haven't noticed. So the reality is, is it creates internal chaos, whereas internal consistency will allow us to know what's good and bad for us. And and then remove ourselves or enjoying ourselves in what it is. But unfortunately, diluting the experience means that we end up being chaotic and we lose the ability to create an identity because we're almost spreading ourselves too thinly. So I think monogamy is a great way, it's a shortcut. It will either tell you we're gonna work out or it'll tell you we're never gonna work out. But at least I know through confining myself to that space.
0: Okay, so limit your options is limiting your options is a necessary thing for happiness.
1: I, I would say not necessarily limiting, but rejecting alternatives in order to like. I don't understand uh, the difference. Um, well, limiting your options would be like you don't even um, pay attention to what the alternative could be and you just stick to one, what you know. Rejecting the alternatives is knowing what you have, knowing what the alternative would look like and having the strength to say, I don't want it.
0: Okay, but how can you know the alternative? You talked about in the beginning, we just see too many people. Yeah. And that back in the day, it was easier because you didn't see as many people and you were pretty, but you were just pretty in your hometown and you were going to marry somebody in your hometown. Yeah. So if too many people is part of the problem set. Yeah doesn't seem like awareness of all the options is necessary for thriving.
1: No, because it creates an illusion of options. What will happen is, just like if you were to open a Tinder account, luckily you probably never had to do any online dating, right?
0: Very fortunate. You
1: are incredibly fortunate. But what it looks like is, you go in there and you're overwhelmed. So what would happen is, a person would go on there and any single person can be easily replaced by the next swipe and the next swipe. So you end up applying minimal investment to each person. And Everybody becomes disposable. And then by the end of it, you don't want to spend time with any of them because they've all just replaced each other. Um, Whereas minimal kind of exposure means that I have the time and social battery and energy to invest in each person and then figure out who's right for me. But when I'm just swiping and there's millions of options, I don't actually realize what's good or bad for me.
0: So I still want to say it sounds like you're saying that you do want to limit your options, but that doesn't feel right to you. Why doesn't saying limiting options... Uh, yeah,
1: maybe I am saying it incorrectly because I think when people hear limiting the options, they think settling. They do. Yeah. and they... But
0: is that not part of what you're saying? Well, well you're there's... saying arranged marriage makes sense. <laughs>
1: yeah. I do think... Do you know what it is? What they see as settling, um, they, they see it as with a negative connotation. Yeah, they see settling. But are they right? Um, no, because settling doesn't mean that you are compromising on what you truly want. It's just that you're recognizing what you truly want. So settling implies that you're not happy with what you've got. What I'm suggesting is you're so happy with what you've got that you reject the alternatives. And you'll only become so happy with what you've got through being able to reject the alternatives.
0: and analysis visit the incredible brand that so many great investors use at yahoofinance.com it's the number one financial destination yahoofinance.com once again guys head there now yahoofinance.com interesting so one I think arranged marriages are a terrible idea mm-hmm. but yeah uh, I don't know that this is true but I've heard something about divorce rates being lower in yeah, arranged marriages.
1: Yeah, they're the marriages.
0: lowest. Yeah, they're the lowest. All
1: right, that's true? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Okay, particularly... this is one of
0: those times Axel pull that shit up. I want to know if that's really true, if divorce rates in arranged marriages mm-hmm. really are lower.
1: Yeah. Then they should be. there
0: is something. Okay, the divorce rate for arranged marriages is estimated at 4%, while the divorce rate where people choose their partners is estimated to be close to 40%.
1: Okay. I don't know that uh, I believe well, this. Yeah, have a look I'm at the need. divorce rates in somewhere like India or somewhere where like the arranged marriages are prominent. But I promise right. you it's lower. But that could also uh, I want to preface that that could also be because there's a stigma associated to divorce in cultures which practice arranged marriages. Yes. So it could be uh, 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 could be mitigated by that. But on the whole, I would like to think that I, from what I remember, uh, arranged marriages have the lowest levels of divorce. Because people who engage in arranged marriages don't do it with the purpose of assuming that love is the glue that keeps you together forever.
0: Okay, so love isn't the glue that keeps us together?
1: whereas when you go into a marriage… What is the glue? Well, I I would say it's uh, different for most people, but I would imagine that most people, what I would imagine is the glue is a duty to one another's well-being and the function of the marriage i would imagine that the glue that keeps a relationship together is even though we might have a rough year a rough five years a rough 10 years even but your well-being matters to me and my well-being matters to you and so therefore making sure that we engage in a lifelong purpose of maintaining that and the duty that we created to towards one another when we made our vows is more important than how we're feeling right now it's a bit like if you signed, a, you know, a 10-year contract with a basketball team. If you're a basketball player, you might hate it some months, you might love it some seasons, whatever it is, but you're committed to the purpose and the duty that the contract suggested.
0: This is very interesting. <laughs> okay, so a duty to one do, another's well-being. Why
1: do you disagree with arranged marriage? Sorry to interrupt you. but Not why, at all. Yeah, I love yeah, the why, why, do you, why do you disagree with arranged marriages?
0: Okay. So you and I share a lot of values. If mm-hmm. we were to lay out what values we think people need to have in order to have a successful marriage, I actually would be very surprised if they are at all different. Yeah, I rebel against authority so violently mm-hmm. you can't imagine. One of my primary values is autonomy. Mm-hmm. So I cannot live in a world where somebody gets to tell me who to love. I need to be free to be a moron.
1: And, and um, it is
0: un for me. It is authoritarian Mm -hmm. to um, oppose something like that top down.
1: Did you you rebel against your parents' authority when you were younger? What was it about the way that they relayed orders to you that you didn't like?
0: They wanted me to do something I didn't want to do. My parents were incredibly loving. I have no beef. If you watched me, you would have thought I was a brat. You wouldn't have thought, oh, his parents are really mean or anything. Yep, I just don't do well with that, which we could easily derail into why Mm -hmm. I think – from an evolutionary standpoint, yeah. the tribe needs some people like me. Yeah. They need some people like you, my yeah. wife, like they need yeah. all of it. Um, I just had a conversation yesterday with yeah. Gad Sad, and he was saying, oh, maybe I shouldn't be this way. And I was like, mm, actually, I think it's good mm-hmm. that the tribe has your style of communication, which can yeah. be very aggressive, very satirical, mm-hmm. but it's good that we have that perspective. Mm -hmm. So I don't think as a tribe, we want Mm -hmm. uniformity. We want the only way to truly narrow in Mm -hmm. on what is true is to get a bunch of different perspectives, make sure everybody can speak up. So uh, I think it's probably good that the tribe has people like me that Mm -hmm. just cannot deal with authority. Yeah, Um, But that's why I don't like arranged marriages. It doesn't necessarily mean that arranged marriages won't yield more human flourishing mm-hmm. and so if if i had time to really review the data i may walk away going hey guys look i wouldn't want to do it yeah uh but the data's in <laughs> yeah. and arranged marriages just work better yeah,
1: usually from a psychological perspective people who reject authority um growing up they didn't trust their parents authority either because they didn't have the same values or because they didn't like the method in which they relayed it so they end up losing trust for their Parents' authority, and then that just extends through life. They just, whereas people who really trust and respect their parents' authority end up accepting authority later on do in life. Do you think
0: we're blank slates?
1: Um, no, no, I don't think so. I think a lot of it is blank slates, but I do think we have a Give natural temperament.
0: Percentage.
1: I would say that we are thirty percent genetics and seventy percent environment. Interesting. Okay. What would you say?
0: 50-50 is what yeah. science ballparks Science says,
1: yeah. But I would say that your environment is pretty much everything. I personally think that my personality...
0: Wait, wait, wait. Is, did you just say your environment is pretty much everything?
1: Um, well, it's more so than your uh, temperament. Because I believe that, personally, the traits I hold, if I wasn't a woman, and if I wasn't raised in the right environment, if I didn't have the parents I did, I would very much be a criminal personality. It's very criminal. Really? I'm fearless.
0: I'm shocked by that.
1: Yeah, I'm absolutely fearless. I have no but fear. why would
0: that lead you to criminality?
1: Because if I I was growing up in an environment where money was scarce mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. poverty was real and role models were criminal I definitely would indulge in it I don't mm-hmm. have a fear of I don't have a fear of repercussions and it's such, it's such a strange thing for somebody who believes in God but I naturally do not have a fear like I believe in God but I don't have a fear of repercussions mm-hmm. so naturally if I see a police officer and if they annoy me I'll say what I need to say now if I was a man with that mentality and if I was somebody who was struggling for money with that personality there's no way I I'd still be on the streets, so I'd be in prison or at least rehab. What That's we? <laughs> really fascinating. I'm shocked yeah. by that.
0: Okay, so going back to arranged yeah. marriage, yeah. the value set. Yeah. Okay, so we understand why I don't like arranged marriage, mm-hmm. but at the same time, human flourishing is my north star, mm-hmm. and I don't think there's anything in life that will give you more mm-hmm. um, of the things that I would ballpark to human flourishing than a healthy romantic partnership, Mm -hmm. which that word's very important to me. For Mm -hmm. people dealing with the modern dating world, Mm -hmm. I will just say, do not see your significant other as an adversary, you Mm -hmm. need to be looking for a partner.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, So life has taught me, there's a reason I've been married for 21 years. Life has taught me Mm -hmm. that it's worth the investment but the I actually find, so I think you're picking up on my reaction as if I don't agree with no, you. No, I, I know. Because but, I've
1: seen you in interviews before. You challenge the people that you still kind of un- fundamentally agree with. You just want to make sure you understood them correctly.
0: Correct. Yeah. So duty. Also, I, um, I think people are going to have a hard time with some of the words you're yeah. using. Uh, but what I like about you is you're unafraid to take your stance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so duty to one another's well-being. And I will say when I got married, I tattooed four words on my arm as Mm -hmm. a reminder to me what this was all about Mm -hmm. to to make it work well. Yeah. Uh, And they were love, passion, commitment Mm -hmm. and respect. And commitment was I, I was very aware that. Men are valued for their ability to acquire resources and mm-hmm. women are valued for their beauty. And so I was like, ooh, as my value goes up in a traditional sense, my wife's will go down in right. a traditional sense. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole nother thing to life though, which is sharing a life with somebody. Right Now, in, in that very small set of words, hides a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted Lisa to know, you never have to worry about me trading you in for an upgraded model.
1: right.
0: The reason you don't have to worry about me trading you in for an upgraded model Mm. is not because I think you're the most beautiful woman in the world. I don't think you're the most beautiful woman in the world today. (laughs) I'm not going to think you're the most beautiful woman in the world when you're 90. So I want you to understand I'm committed to you. Yeah. Because you make my life better. And I want to share this life with you. And I'm not the best looking guy in the world Mm -hmm. and I'm not going to be the richest guy in the world. I certainly wasn't the richest guy when we met. I will tell you that. Mm -hmm. So um, that was important to me that we both focus on that idea that we have a duty to one another's well-being. Yeah, And like, as somebody that hates authority, I get why people don't want to submit to that. All right, forgive me. Yeah, But the other day I was talking to somebody about I'm not religious. Yeah. But I want something to kneel before. Right. And-
1: Well, that's a, that's a really interesting desire to have for yes. somebody who's not religious.
0: I think every human being has that. Yeah. And I think that people don't acknowledge that. Yeah. And this is part of how people spiral out of control because we don't have shared narratives anymore. And so yeah. people don't understand how to navigate life. Uh, thankfully, I read a book called The Power of Myth by Joseph Campbell. I Great. highly recommend it. Okay. Uh, and so- I realized, ah, yeah, I do want to kneel before something. And one of the things that I kneel before is my marriage, not my wife, my marriage. I love that. And so that idea of each of us Mm -hmm. are going to kneel before this thing that is greater than either of us individually, and we are going to protect it fiercely Mm -hmm. um, because we have a duty to one another's Mm well-being. Why? Not because God told us to, but because that's what leads to human flourishing, which is why I think people say God tells you to.
1: Yeah. I mean, the thing is, I think you're very true. Everybody has a need. And I think it's an evolved need. We all have a need to worship. Now, the problem is because we've got no sense of God anymore, we've replaced the need to worship with either we're going to worship celebrities or we're going to worship like uh, influencers or we're going to start worshiping ourselves and our own egotistical desires. So that's why I think it's always good to submit to something. Yeah. I personally submit to God, but it could also be your marriage, it could be also your parents for some people, it could be whatever it is. But having nothing to submit to means that you will definitely submit to your own desires. Do you, and you think it,
0: people need to be very careful what they choose to submit to?
1: I think, yeah, they do. They uh, they definitely need to be very careful because the thing is, whether we like it or not, we submit to the law, the systems of the law and the laws that we live in. Now, as we even in our short period of being alive, we've seen the laws change drastically. Now, the reason why I don't recommend submitting completely to a culture or society or the norms and values of a culture is they're so changing so rapidly. So it leads to a fragile identity. Whereas what I like about religion is it creates a stable identity throughout the years. You'll never have to say, what does God think about this? You know. Whereas the laws and system, what could have been seen as offensive now would have been seen as normal practice 20 years ago. I just wonder what that does to people's identity, knowing that what they once believed in now is the worst thing on the planet and then it might be cool again and then it might be all i don't know if it creates an internal dialogue that is steady Mm, so that's why i I, why i recommend it
0: now you migrated from submit to kneel or sorry from kneel to submit yeah and so do you i see a pretty radical difference between those two
1: uh
0: so i submit to the law but i don't kneel before the law Mm. and if the law were to get deranged which i have extreme fears (laughs) about right now yeah uh i would oppose it right whereas my marriage uh there are ways that it could become dysfunctional to the point where i would exit my marriage so i'm yeah. not somebody who thinks no matter what yeah um but i i when i say that i kneel before my marriage it is entirely my responsibility to make sure that it does not devolve to that okay so taking it back to the law um i kneel before the ideals Mm-hmm that oh god before i make this statement i i <laughs> was going to say i kneel before the ideals
1: mm-hmm. the
0: ideals that this country was founded on yeah i need to educate myself more deeply on that i kneel before the ideals i think this country was yeah. founded upon that's probably uh the i the don't more know true. enough
1: i'm afraid but i'm sure there's something offensive yeah. in the uh, uh, is there in the, uh, I, maybe I,
0: I don't know well uh, yeah enough. i don't that's know why. enough yeah um but Anyway, I draw a distinction between the law and okay. the ideals that should be aimed at human thriving.
1: I, I I get what you mean by the difference between kneeling and submitting. One sounds more voluntary. The other one sounds like it is what it is, like it's more involuntary. So I understand what you probably mean when you say kneeling and submitting. They're not synonymous. Mm. Yeah, I get what you mean.
0: Okay, so going back to the values that make a relationship work, mm-hmm. um, so the four things that I, I think originally I was going to get like nine tattooed and the tattoo artist was like, the, the writing will be too small. Yeah. So it was an interesting exercise to force me to boil it down to those four. Yeah. Um, if you had to give people three to
1: five yeah.
0: things, values, like super succinct that are going to allow them to have that longevity, Yeah. what would those be?
1: I would say the first is honesty, even if it hurts. And the reason why I think honesty is such an important one is it, even when it's something like, if my partner says, Sadie, oh, you've gained weight. Yeah, as much as I might not like that, or you know, your makeup doesn't look nice, as much as I don't like that, what it does is it redirects me into a way that will keep us connected. One of the reasons why so many people end up having affairs is they have this kind of unmet need but a fear of telling the truth to their partner because their partner is so fragile and easily offended. So there might be a a man that feels like his wife has let go and doesn't want to tell her but then will outsource sexual desire elsewhere. It might be a woman that feels like a man is not, you know, um, aggressive enough physically when they're making love and whatever. So she ends up never saying it to him and then outsourcing it elsewhere. Um, so I would say honesty is important, but honesty without brutality. What happens is people who suppress it is that they don't say the truth. But when they get into a fight, they say the truth, but with venom They say, this is why you're so shit. And this is why they say it negatively. So you want honesty without brutality, honesty w- with uh, whilst you're on a good terms rather than just during a fight. So I'd say honesty is a really important one about what your needs are. Uh, another thing is being not doing anything behind your partner's back that you wouldn't do in front of their face. And there's a what I mean by that is, even if that means you- Can we talk, call that integrity? Yeah, I would say so, integrity. Because even if, let's say, for example, uh, I, I, uh, he's texting a girl or I'm texting a boy, if that's something I would do in front of him, say, I'm just messaging this person or I'm just talking to this person, there's nothing wrong with that. But where you would do it the same Behind their back as you would in front of them. That integrity is really important. You don't become a different person when they leave because the people who do that end up having two parallel lives. They live completely different lives. And I think it all kind of boils down to honesty, really. I would say, if anything, I would just say honesty is a really important one because it enables all the other features of a good connection to thrive. If I'm honest with you about what I like in terms of emotional intimacy, we create emotional intimacy. If I'm honest what I like in terms of physical intimacy, we create that. If I'm honest about what will make Makes me less attractive to you. We create attraction, so I just say that honesty is a really important one. Would Would you add anything else to that one?
0: So we've got honesty, integrity. Yeah, for so mine are the four that I have tattooed on myself.
1: What does respect look like to you? Because I know that's something that men always talk a lot about. But in literal terms, what would respect look like from a a man's perspective? So
0: respect is is uh, one of the reasons I chose that is a lot of things go into that. So for me, being honest with somebody mm-hmm. is how you show them respect. Right. If if I'm lying to you, I am not respecting you. Mm-hmm. If I lack integrity, I'm not respecting you. Yeah. Um, The easiest way for me to explain respect though would be my wife went from a traditional housewife mm-hmm. and I loved it because mm-hmm. she took care of everything. It yeah. was amazing. In fact, at some point we should talk about mm-hmm. yeah. what it was like for the two of us to- research and interview you on the same day because it, it was <laughs> like had us asking each other yeah, questions
1: she mentioned something, yeah which is really yeah. actually yeah. really fun yeah, yeah. i
0: really wish more people would do things uh, like that they should watch that. your episodes and then talk to each other
1: uh, um
0: so that is when you have the respect of um i know who my wife wants to become because she wanted to go from housewife to entrepreneur. Right. And it, that was deeply uncomfortable for me. Right. And I had to mourn the mm-hmm. loss of my traditional wife. Mm-hmm. But I needed to respect that she wanted to become something else. Mm-hmm. And so the thing that occurred to me as we were going through this was I believe, I mean, going back, you really put great words around it, that I have a duty to my wife's well-being. Yeah. And so I, the words that kept occurring to me were, I want you to be the best version of yourself. Yeah. And so I would never want to stop you from becoming who you want to be. Right. And so she was very graceful in letting me mourn mm-hmm. that I was losing something. Yeah. And then I showed her the respect to help her, not only um, give her the space, mm-hmm. but to help her become the person that she wants to become and and not just be a cheerleader, but literally be yeah a savage yeah. in the fight for what she wants
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, so there's a lot that goes into that
1: what did you miss about her going from traditional housewife to su- successful entrepreneur
0: man we're, this, is gonna be, this is a <laughs> because big she mentioned today
1: that she was watching one of my videos and me i talk a lot about how men um, i know it sounds so ridiculous but they just love a, a meal from their wife it doesn't yeah. even have to be home cooked just her plating it or her knowing what he yeah, likes do you uh,
0: get why that matters to guys
1: i don't know if that's an evolutionary Thing, if it's something that's in them um and but i also think that because they're not so verbal acts of service means a lot to them because they don't know how to express their needs sometimes so somebody understanding their needs and predicting them before they that's have very to say different, it
0: but that's why yeah for me yeah. now this is one where i'm not confident enough yeah, that this is universal please
1: explain to me um
0: the having somebody and having somebody understand me so well yeah that they can anticipate my needs yeah and that I'm so important to them that yeah. they want to make that need go away before um, I have to deal with it. Yeah. But there's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. Now, this, there's a lot of tension around mm-hmm. what I'm about to say between my wife and I. Yeah. This is so fascinating to me <laughs> because this is, I think, my wife's fundamental misunderstanding of the nature of a man. Right. And I, I am a savage <laughs> for my wife. Yeah. Uh, everything I do, I do for my wife.
1: Yeah.
0: I work as hard as I work Mm -hmm. for my wife. Yeah. Now here's the problem. My wife wishes I wouldn't work that hard. Yeah. What do you do with that? (laughs) So now my wife is crying out for me. Please work less. Mm -hmm. You say you do this for me. Yeah. But I need you to work less. And what I'm saying to her is I need to be appreciated Mm -hmm. for how hard I'm working, Mm -hmm. which is what you show me when you recognize my needs and make them go away. I then feel like being a savage for you is being rewarded. It's being acknowledged. It's being appreciated. Appreciation is the right word. And ladies, (laughs) I'm telling you right now, if you appreciate your man and make him feel powerful, that's it. It's a wrap.
1: Yeah, nothing else. like. Which is why I always say that successful men have it the hardest. I'm not talking about you. I think praise be to God, you have a very beautiful marriage. But um, generally speaking, successful men I find have it the hardest time when it comes to being married, and it's because they create a life that it almost enables a lazy woman. Yeah, it, I mean that hasn't happened for you. She's an absolute, you know, legend in her field. But the majority of very successful CEOs happen to have wives who then have nannies, cooks, chefs. On and so forth. And what happens is that she doesn't have to rely on any instinct to predict her partner's needs because it's all taken care of. It's all kind of uh, outsourced. But he still craves female attention. He craves his wife loving him. He craves his wife saying, Oh, baby, your shirt is ironed, or, "Uh, baby, uh, um, your lunch is packed. I, I, I bought those stupid crisps that you love. It seems so small and effortless, yet he doesn't get that. Whilst he's building an empire to help create a life that she loves, she sees it as childish to kind of do that for him. And we label what a man needs as childish. You can do it yourself, but we can do it ourselves. We can pay our own bills now, but we still love it when a man does it. So I think that's where I say the narcissism is coming through. Feminism has taught women that catering and appreciating and showing love for your man is babying him and he should be a grown up and he should do it himself but then what is the how, how else does he feel loved how else is he going to get it uh, the only other way to get it is uh, sexually and then that is replaceable Any girl can have sex with you, but how many girls will know what you want in your sandwich? And if that's not your wife, then who's it going to be? So they start to outsource affection and they end up, they end up majority of the times with gold diggers and they end up with escorts who they fall in love with. I've met so many successful, intelligent men fall absolutely head over heels in love with escorts because you've got to remember the market of an escort or a webcam. She deals with men with low self-esteem every day every single day so she knows all she has to do is take an interest in him for five minutes and he's putty in your hands so she will say oh I got you a jam sandwich I know you love it and he will be like I'm in love she knows what she's doing so they end up falling into such a bad pattern because they're so starved of appreciation so that's why I try and encourage women to prevent them going down that route
0: I think that's very wise, and it is hilarious to me how easy it is to manipulate men Have and ever women. Have you seen
1: any side of that with working with successful men? Do you ever see it, or do they not kind of tell each other what they do on the side?
0: Yeah, guys yeah, are not going to be other, open right? about that kind of thing, yeah. like what makes you putty in somebody's hands. I mean, you can sort of pick it up with some yeah. guys, but... Um, no. You
1: don't see it as much. Maybe because I live in Dubai, so I see the average 70 or 60 year old man walking around with a, a 24 year old, you know, a, a model. And then you see what's happened. Like, you mm. see how he's got there. But what would have happened is years of feeling neglected or rejected. Now somebody just makes him feel alive. Although it's transactional, they're willing to pay that cost just to get that feeling. Right. Yeah. So. yeah
0: I mean, it's, it is utterly fascinating. Like, people really need to mm-hmm. understand men and women this is one of the things that i found very interesting about you and i have a feeling that there's going to be uh a lot of um response i don't know Mm -hmm. what the right word is rebound effect from how hard like whatever fourth wave feminism has gone yeah uh and then the other side where women go oh wait to get a man and to keep him happy these are all the <laughs> things that I have to do. Yeah. And because I think there's so much evolutionary pressure at our backs to deliver in that way, I yeah. think, and look, everything is a cycle. And mm-hmm. so um, if we go now into a sort of deeply traditional part of the cycle, um there'll be a rebound against that later down the road. And this stuff will just cycle, through. But do you think that's
1: where the red pill came in? and Is it they found a space from that?
0: No, the red pill, I think, is a response to the velocity of information, uh, people feeling very rejected, the algorithm starting to feed you, somebody Mm -hmm. who's like, you know, fuck these women, Mm -hmm. uh, this is the truth, look how they manipulate you, wake up, Mm -hmm. like, and now you see the truth of it. And have painted women as adversaries. Yeah. That's a real mistake.
1: Real, huge because mistake. Because
0: people are not thinking about what the, they, they've never defined for themselves what's their North Star. Your North mm-hmm. Star should be human flourishing. Yeah. I am a firm believer that um, me, this is on average, of course. Yeah. Gay people exist and yeah, they yeah. are capable of wonderful lives full of love and joy. Mm-hmm. But from an evolutionary standpoint, the male-female dichotomy In a relationship makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And you really do from a procreation standpoint, you make a whole. And so together you're able to do something that you weren't able to do apart. Yeah. Um,
1: Do you think that applies to parenting as well?
0: Does what apply Having to
1: the dichotomy of a male and female.
0: Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah. In terms of raising, well-balanced, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think so
1: as well. I know that might be sound as controversial, but it's just uh, it's a fact of life. I think children end up benefiting from that masculine and feminine mm. dynamic. And unfortunately, we've made it like it's a sin to suggest how in sync those two energies should be because uh, people who are trying to pit men and women against each other just get more views and they get more kind of... Um, Accoladed on the internet so unfortunately we're going drifting down that path but does your does does your audience and your realm they all you value marriage and value the connection no
0: that's a good question so one of the exercises that i'm trying to go on now is really defining mm-hmm. like what the the through line of the show is for mm-hmm. people so they can understand mm-hmm. for me it's always been self-evidently empowerment yeah but the number of things that that will go through so what we end up doing is our audience is around topics Mm -hmm. and they're totally separate yeah and so if i do an episode on finance i can predict how it's going to do if i do an episode on relationships i can predict how it's going to do and it's not the same people right and so what i really want people to understand is this is about empowering you to live life well yeah and there is one through line through every person that i bring on the show Mm -hmm. Um, but no, the people that would come to me for relationships are very different than the people that would come to me right. for finance, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. Uh-huh. Um, so I don't, I honestly don't know how they feel about How did about you
1: marriage. balance a healthy relationship while being so unbelievably successful? Because usually one gives, uh, whilst the other one kind of suffers. But how did you manage that? I haven't seen that very often, so I'm very impressed by it.
0: So one, Mm -hmm. my number one priority is my marriage. And so Lisa and I talk about that. Mm -hmm. But as I was just saying, she wishes I worked less. She would gladly trade in some percentage (laughs) of our success Mm -hmm. uh, for that. Yeah. And so we've really had to communicate endlessly. And so communication is something we're extraordinarily good at. Mm -hmm. And then we know what each other's good at. And- she will feel disconnected before me. Mm-hmm. And so I have said, okay, cool. You're empowered. If you feel disconnected, I will listen to you. Right. And so we won't wait for me to feel disconnected because mm-hmm. that will take way too long and yeah. you'll really be upset by yeah. that point. So speak up. When mm-hmm. you say something, I will immediately adjust my behavior. Yeah. So for instance quest ended up coming into existence because i was so unhappy at the company we were running before that Mm -hmm. and she said this is now damaging our marriage you need to do something right and so that something was to quit long story that ends up becoming quest Mm -hmm. and ends up being amazing but that was really born out of my wife saying okay this is damaging the marriage and me saying hey i said if you ever said it that i would make immediate change so that's really important like you have to know where did
1: you learn that skill
0: at 14, I started having a recurring nightmare Mm -hmm. that I was in a loveless marriage. Really? At 14. I'd never been in a relationship. Lisa's the only person I have ever said I love you to in a romantic way.
1: stop, really? Yes.
0: So now at 18, my dad leaves and says he's been unhappy for 10 years.
1: Right, makes sense. So
0: now you can track it back. Oh shit, he's been unhappy since I was eight. Yeah. And so there was something that I was picking up on that I never could have explained to you.
1: Right. When I was okay. young,
0: first of all. Yeah. But I'm recurring. It's amazing that your
1: energies of children, they pick up on their parents' happiness.
0: And that it translates into like I I had no conscious awareness of it yeah. whatsoever. So anyway, one, I'm already I'm deeply self-aware, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm empathetic. Uh, and so I have this recurring nightmare. So I make a promise to myself. I I'm okay never getting married. hmm I'm not okay being with somebody that I actually don't like that much. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm a very specific flavor. Mm-hmm. And so I learned very quickly that I would have to pretend to be something I wasn't around people. And so there's no mistake that Lisa happened not long after I said, I'm going to start aggressively being myself. Mm-hmm. And if people don't like it, I don't give a shit. right? And so, but coupled with, I won't be in a loveless marriage. It takes work. Mm -hmm. And I read Cosmopolitan a lot. So here, my mom told me the best piece of advice I ever got Mm -hmm. about women because this shook my entire worldview. My entire Mm -hmm. worldview fell apart. This was so foreign to me. Mm -hmm. She said, uh, almost as a throwaway comment, you know, for women to have an orgasm, they have to trust you. Mm -hmm. And I was like, (laughs) what? I just need a a location. Like that was so trust like what could that possibly have to do with an orgasm yeah and so that sent me on a very detailed quest to figure out Okay, women think differently than I do.
1: Mm. But you know, I, one thing I would say is I know women, I completely agree with your mum's statement, but we're almost taught that men can disconnect emotionally from sex. I really disagree with that because if you get a man to have sex with a woman who looks like she's not enjoying it mm. and looks like she's in pain or looks like she'd rather not be there, his fulfillment is minimal. There's nothing there. Whereas when he would rather take a less attractive woman who looks like she's having the time of her life and looks like she's a daughter, him over an attractive woman who looks like she can't stand him. So there is something psychological in it for men as well. If it was just a a human need and and every hole is a goal, they wouldn't read a woman's expression so deeply. I know men that have become impotent because their wife has expressed such disgust when they've tried to be sexually active with her and they've literally lost their ability to erect. So I do think it's equally psychological. I just think men don't realise it's psychological because they're so usually so uh, erect and ready to all, but i do think it's signals where it's psychological signals that determines their sexual pleasure
0: that is would you more agree true than you know
1: your brain needs support and new ollie brainy chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health made with scientifically backed ingredients like thai ginger l-theanine and caffeine brainy chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus stay chill or get energized
0: Head right now to netsuite.com slash theory. Again, that's netsuite.com slash theory. Get the information you need. Head to netsuite.com slash theory.
1: Is that true? Because it's just what I keep noticing. Yeah. I
0: will say mm-hmm. that you, you're interpreting that through the mind of a woman. Yes. <laughs> and so I will say uh, that they're uh, for a guy,
1: yeah.
0: um, neutral- to positive, yeah. fantastic. <laughs> now, if if the person is really into you, that's gonna be way more fun. Way more fun. Way more fun.
1: What if and she's look- really not into you?
0: I couldn't do it. No, th- yeah. there is no universal. It would which.
1: activate the predatory fear in a man. Like you never want to be feeling like a rapist. So I would imagine if Ooh, she's not into that. That unfortunately, much
0: to my dismay, will yeah. not be universal. Not
1: universal. No. That
0: is horrifying to me. Yeah. But uh, do you think that's
1: pornography related, or do you think uh, no, it predates pornography?
0: Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. So here we're now in territory I have not looked at the no, literature. No, the I don't know what the real answer is. Yeah. But when you think about what was war historically? Mm -hmm. It was the, you had excess men in the population who did not have access to women. There was a massive Gini coefficient, Mm -hmm. uh, meaning there was a huge discrepancy between the men that had and the men that did not have. Mm -hmm. So there's a hypothesis that Vikings Mm -hmm. were um, a a society in which one man would monopolize many women. Mm -hmm. So you had a lot of guys that were like, well, how do I get a woman? You Mm -hmm. go to war. And there was some recent thing where like a tribe that's still alive, where they were like, um, when asked, why do you go to war? They said, oh, for women. Okay, and they were like, "What? What other reason would you ever go to?" Like, they were so confused. <laughs> they couldn't confused. understand it. Yeah, yeah, oh wow. And so that's horrifying.
1: Yeah, no, I'm I don't, very but sad that but, that's yeah, a true same, thing. There's even like evidence of a particular fly that holds down the wings of a, the female fly, inseminates, and runs away. Like rape is—it's yes. in the animal kingdom as well. Doesn't justify it, but it does exist. But I just wonder, like, um, is the advent of porn reducing the desire to rape because you're kind of getting access to it, or does it kind of glorify rape? I don't know. I, I don't watch, and so I don't know. But I'm I'm wondering from a man's perspective: is it cathartic, and you kind of get rid of that?
0: That's not my kink, so <laughs> yeah. that one I wouldn't be able to speak to. Yeah. But um, my gut instinct is porn does sedate, right. and that whatever. It's not like it will keep ratcheting up, ratcheting up, ratcheting up until you go out and do something. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling, I've heard you talk about serial killers being addicted yeah. to porn. I have a feeling that that's correlation and not absolutely good. not causation. Mm-hmm. You have somebody who is just, they are broken they from an empathy far. perspective. Yeah. And so the their response to porn would be, very different. Complete objectification.
1: Mm-hmm. This
0: person is an inanimate object, mm-hmm. and that's why it plays out in their yeah. sadistic sex. Where Ted Bundy, who I have read about because yeah. he unfortunately lived where I grew up. No way. Uh, yeah. So uh, so I learned quite a bit about okay. him. And so that feels more like somebody a thing in their brain is broken. I do and, I do
1: agree in that sense because in order to form an addiction to pornography, there has to be a level of emptiness and a, a brokenness in their soul to lead to that escapism and then coupled, and then it might lead, go on to other poor behaviors. So I don't think it's necessarily a cause. I think it's a pit stop on the destiny of becoming something evil, unfortunately. But, I don't know that
0: uh, becoming evil. Yes, probably. There probably is a path, but this is where I will say if we're 50%, um hardwired, yeah, and fifty percent the environment that man, I don't think you become Hitler or Ted Bundy unless the part of the fifty percent that's hardwired is broken,
1: yeah there must be broken. something prenatal in there,
0: yeah, because I like as somebody who's wired for empathy, like I just can't fathom, yeah, I can't fathom um. Do you think empathy
1: is the ingredient that's allowed you to be so monogamous and not be tempted?
0: Okay. So this I've thought a lot about. Mm -hmm. Uh, No, I don't think that's the thing. Mm -hmm. Because if you said to me, hey, she'll never find out. Yeah. Never, ever. No pain. Yeah. No way. She is never going to know. Like this is guaranteed by God. Not going to happen. She's never going to find out. doable
1: in this day and age.
0: Yes. Would you cheat? Hell No. Mm-hmm. Okay, then why not? Yeah. I think there's two reasons. One, I am, my brain, literally, if you were to do a uh, biopsy of my brain, mm-hmm. I have a feeling you would find that I have massive amounts of receptors for vasopressin mm-hmm. and oxytocin. hmm the, the sense of intense bonding I get with my wife is Aww. fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. And so I feel bad because yeah. that means I just have a leg up. Like yeah. part of why I've been able to-
1: I agree. I don't feel like it's any virtue in me. Mm-hmm. I think it's something just in me that makes it impossible for me to um, be simultaneously with two people. I don't think it's because I'm virtuous or moralistic. I think I just can't be, with, I can't get pleasure from two people simultaneously. Well,
0: now we're asking a different question <laughs> yeah. because if my wife was like, no, 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 be so hot, have sex with someone. Okay. Uh-huh. Word.
1: So, uh, uh, I'll see that, you. Yeah. Okay. Then that there's... is
0: very different. But I would yeah. never want to be in a relationship right. with two people.
1: Right. Okay. But
0: men really do have a pull for um, novel sexual encounters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And especially a novel sexual encounter with a woman who finds me attractive, mm. that would be rad. Right. Like, okay. Super rad. Yeah. Now, the only reason I don't do that mm-hmm. is because my marriage is my highest priority, because that gives me way more than yeah. a bunch of novel sexual experiences mm-hmm. would give me. But when I decide, Decided to propose to Lisa. One of the, I literally made a pros and cons mm-hmm. list, and one of the cons was I'll never sleep with another woman again. Mm-hmm. And am I okay with that? That was not an easy. Like, yeah, I'm okay with that. I yeah. was like,
1: ooh, and you are super young.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that that high of your
1: testosterone.
0: That was yeah. a sacrifice, mm-hmm. and so and that's part of why our marriage has lasted because I've thought a lot about what will make this marriage worth mm-hmm. that kind of sacrifice
1: so can I ask like a lot of women come to me and I'm always a little bit done and I've asked my partner this as well and he doesn't really give me much but some women will come to me and say to me like I've been my husband just doesn't crave me anymore he just doesn't want mm. to sleep with me I think it's me like I know all I ever see on movies and stuff is how the man always wants to have sex but really I'm the one that's always initiating and I'm the one that has to do it and I don't know what it is why my husband just won't initiate or won't want to be with me sexually what do you think I always say that maybe you're not nurturing other needs of his outside of the sexual relationship. So I always wonder. I ask, have you cooked for him recently? Have you? That's their foreplay. Have you cooked for him? Have you made sure that his, you know, maybe his clothes are ready or whatever it is? Have you thought about his life before he has to think about it outside of the bedroom? That's usually my answer, but I could be wrong. So I was just wondering you what you could also be right. I could be <laughs> like the, that.
0: That to me is a huge part of it. Yeah. Um. Also feeling emotionally connected. Yeah. And I, I really, really believe that men can be, of course, we're complicated and all of that. Mm-hmm. And the, the wonderment of being in a long lasting marriage is to go way beyond the two things I'm about to say. Yeah. But honestly, honestly, if you don't get these two things right, you are dust. Right. You have to appreciate him and all the things that he does, like for real, for real. Yeah. And you need to exude that. Yeah. If you exude appreciation, you work so hard. Mm-hmm. Thank you for everything you do. You make all these sacrifices. You do yeah. it for the family. Because I can pretty much guarantee you that at least in the beginning, he did that. And yeah. the only reason he may no longer work with that in his mind is because you made him feel unappreciated. Yeah. And so if you appreciate him for that, huge, make him feel powerful. Right. Make him feel powerful. And what about uh, if he's is... not
1: powerful? What if he's... Oh, yeah.
0: God. Okay, <laughs> so now one of my questions I wrote down, <laughs> how do you tell your wife that she's gotten fat? Uh, so how do you tell your husband he's gotten weak?
1: Yeah, I guess here's the thing. Well, um, I think with both, whether you tell your wife she's gotten fat or you tell your husband he's weak, instead of highlighting she's fat or he's weak, you highlight the time where they were the opposite. And you might say something like, um, do you remember the days we used to play rugby? Oh, so you just came across so powerful I you, you should get back into that you I loved seeing you like that or it could be a, a thing like oh uh, babe do you remember you in that red dress and stuff that day we met and stuff oh you looked amazing I, you looked amazing it doesn't even have to be I want you back to that because some women are so hypersensitive but um, the problem is when they don't tell her they allow her to become a woman they're no longer attracted to and you have to tell your wife and I know I get a lot of like backlash because I, I get told I'm fat shaming but here's the thing in my experience, when you gain a lot of weight, you start not liking yourself. And when you don't like yourself, you don't want to have sex with people. You don't want your husband to see you naked. You don't want him to touch you. So you end up just being okay with having very minimal physical contact. And then you drift apart. Whereas when you get when you keep on top of yourself, you're looking forward to physically connecting. So I think it's really important to keep on top of your body for uh, while you're married. I, I know there's kids. I know it's difficult. But life is difficult. You just have to eat less. If you can't work out, at least eat less.
0: Yeah, or... So eating less, yes, unfortunately, is reality. Mm. But also what you eat is extraordinarily important.
1: Are you careful with what you
0: eat? I'm psychotic about this. So <laughs> uh, going back to th- part of the reason I want to do the show is to get yeah. people to understand you are having a biological experience. Mm-hmm. You must get sleep. Sunlight, your diet needs to be right. Yeah. And so, look, the reality is men and women alike, you need to be attractive. Yeah. You, you need to do things to be attractive to your spouse. You can never neglect that. You can't take yeah. it for granted. And by the way, so the thing I will add to what you said is what I do mm-hmm. is when my wife does something that mm-hmm. I want more of, mm-hmm. I lavish her with praise when Aww. she does it. And I learned very what kind of early. things does
1: she do that makes you Oh like... my
0: God. Li- that list is so long, um, but it could be um, she wears something she knows I love. Yeah, and so i'm like oh man thank you i love those pants so much oh my god you know how much i love those right so rather than when she wears a shirt i don't like i'm not like oh i hate that shirt no if she asked me if i liked it i would tell her no yeah uh to your point about honesty but so uh, the the list of things that my wife does for me that i want more of is is very long she's very Mm. thoughtful and very just today she set out uh i forgot to take chicken out for myself and i had mentioned the other day that i wanted uh more avocado in my life and so today there was a little sticky note with chicken thawing (laughs) for me and an avocado that says i took this out for you
1: yeah
0: um and so yeah i would encourage that behavior but but that's easy stuff the hard stuff is for women physicality yeah and so um with that like let's say that she's my wife's always been so on top of her physique yeah, but one crazy. thing that that i do is i'm like it let's say it's she just had her 44th birthday yeah and i'm like hear me when i say woman you're so hot at 44 <laughs> most people don't get a woman this attractive at 24 Aww. and so i want to thank you
1: Aww.
0: you you didn't have to do that and most people don't and yeah. i know that it's mostly for yourself, but I want, I really appreciate it. Like it really means a lot to me because I know one day we all turn to a bag of wrinkles. And so I've always reminded myself to appreciate your youth and beauty while I have it. And the fact that you've worked so hard to extend that like just objectively hot and attractive Yeah. as long as you have, like I'm super yeah. grateful.
1: And I even encourage women to be grateful when their partner's faithful. And because the thing is, a lot of women will say, well, that's a given. We're married. Of course, he's supposed to be faithful. But unfortunately, that's not enough of course anymore. It's not. Well, an... Even if it is. Yeah. It is if...
0: not wise yeah. to take it for granted. No, it's no, not wise. It's never wise. To it's say... never In wise. In fact, now you have something that's easy that you can point to all the time yeah. and like cherish your partner for that yeah. and be like, wow, it." For instance, in fact, I'm going to say this to my Mm -hmm. wife later. Thank you. Uh, Literally, if I open my wife's phone and there was a file that said dick pics (laughs) and it was four terabytes, I'd be like, wow, that's crazy. I wonder how four terabytes of dick pics got. I wouldn't even think to be weird about it. Yeah. Because she makes me feel like I'm the center of her universe. And because I feel that in my bones, it's not just a thing she says, like I feel it in all the weird little small ways that a person can feel it. I feel it. And so what I'm really thanking her for it. Thank you for making me feel safe. Yeah. Emotionally. Yeah. Like you make me feel emotionally safe. And that is an awesome feeling.
1: Yes. An amazing feeling. It allows you to then go on to do bigger and better things outside of the relationship. So many people are stunted because their partner doesn't make them feel safe. They can't uh, progress at work. They can't fulfill their potential in the gym. They just can't fulfill their relati- potential in other relationships because they're stunted. But once your partner makes you feel safe and secure, you can almost go out and conquer the world as mm-hmm. you guys literally have gone out and done. It's amazing. It's interesting.
0: I read a quote once and said, the people that take the biggest risks have the most stable home life. Aww. Now, things like that. So a, a lot of people have just heard me say that. But what I did when I heard that was I went home and I said, babe, mm-hmm. I just heard this fact. And it really made me think of us that the people that have the most stable home lives take the biggest risks. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Cause this was yeah. when she was still a housewife. Thank you Aww. for doing what you do mm-hmm. and allowing me to go take these big risks. And yeah. I mean, at one point when Quest was a huge question mark and mm-hmm. nobody knew if it was going to work, mm-hmm. she let us put our house up as collateral. Mm-hmm. Like that's real shit. And so because both of us mm-hmm. will routinely say in our darkest moments, as long as I have, for me, it's her. Yeah. As long as I have Lisa, everything else can go wrong. And I'm good. And I really mean that. And because I feel that, it really does let me take these big chances. But going back to what started all this, you you need to take the time to go thank your spouse for those things, to not take those things for granted, to really reward them for behavior Mm -hmm. you don't want. And now, if Mm -hmm. I may light the comments on fire with rage and anger Mm – you have to then punish the things that you don't want.
1: How would that, what would that look like?
0: You tell me.
1: Okay, to Or tell me that I'm crazy. Yeah, um, do you know what I would say? It's um, punishing the things that you don't like. Maybe I've never really perfected this. What ends up happening in my personal experience, when I punish what I don't like, I end up creating a new wound because I'm so tactless with it. I'm so like, oh, and I can get mean, and I can get brutal. Now, can, do you
0: think it's the nature of punishment or is it the delivery?
1: It's my insecurity that is so produced into what I'm saying that I, 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 it doesn't become a fruitful conversation so what would be something I don't like turns into I'm going to put the relationship on the line now mm. and I'm going to wound you because I feel wounded in this moment and it's something I've gotten better at over the years. but through the partner being so secure they kind of w- walk your hand through it but it's not something I, I, I have ever perfected so I don't if I, if I could learn from you how would you punish what you don't like without causing any additional wounds.
0: Yeah, so uh, this is one that is you have to be extremely mm-hmm. careful with. So yeah. rule number one, if you want to quote unquote punish because I'm known for using language, <laughs> it's meant to grab people's attention. Mm-hmm. It's not like I'm being cruel or yeah. mean because if you do that, you are done. So number one, if you want to punish a behavior, mm-hmm. you have to have made so many deposits, mm-hmm. made them feel so loved mm-hmm. and so secure that when you say – Hey, when you do that thing, mm-hmm. I don't like that. Yeah. And so let's just say that your partner um, likes to drink and you yeah. don't want them to drink anymore. Mm-hmm. This is not a problem. Lisa and I had, malicious. let's just say, yeah. um, I would say, hey, it's your life. Yeah. Uh, you have to do you. Uh, the last thing I want is to be your parent. I'm not your yeah. parent. I'm your spouse. But when you're doing that thing, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be around you. Right. So by all means do it, but just know once you've sobered up, Come back, we'll hang out. Yeah. But when your spouse cherishes quality time, yeah. Now all of a sudden it's like, oh, mm-hmm. when I go do this thing, they have set a clear boundary. They're not mean. They weren't cruel. They're not saying I'm a bad person yeah. for doing it. They're just saying I don't like it and I don't want to be around it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now it's my choice. I can go do it as much as I want, but mm-hmm. they've been very clear. Right. Now I I am doing that because I know you want time with me. Right. And so it is a punishment. Right. But I'm not being a dick. I'm not being cruel. And mm-hmm. I'm not making it up. I really don't like it. So and I really don't want to like be around you, it. Is
1: it like you set your boundary rather than like it's not literal I'm punishing? Is it more just I'm setting a boundary?
0: It It is punishment. It's yeah. just that boundaries are a way to... Um, create a penalty Mm -hmm. for that behavior that you don't want to see more of, uh, in a way that doesn't create a wound.
1: Yeah, because the thing is what you're describing is very effective boundaries. What boundaries basically are, it's not like, okay, you did this, by, I'm never speaking to you. That's almost a self-sabotage, which is something I I used to definitely indulge in. Uh, A boundary is simply, here's a behavior I don't like. Um, If you're going to continue with it, I'm going to withdraw this particular behavior in response, but you're most welcome to be back in my life if you can abide by this particular rule. And so boundaries actually keep people in your world. They teach people how to love you effectively. So it's a semi-punishment, but more effectively, it's teaching your partner how to love you properly.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. People are going to hate the word punish. Yeah. And I think they're going to struggle yeah. in life because they don't understand that you really are drawing that line as a penalty. But
1: the certain behaviors need a punishment. Yes. Yeah. And
0: it, you have to be very careful. Remember, <laughs> so I'm how, saying this within the what context. What would a punishment
1: look like? What would could Lisa do to you that would look like a punishment? um what could she withdraw
0: it's a really good question uh so time would be time would one be, for me yeah. for sure um let's say that uh if i'm working too yeah. much and she's like i'm not going to uh enable that anymore so instead of making sure that your food is out or whatever you're gonna have to do that yourself yeah and if you take time off i'll cook for you All Right oh, now it's like, okay, that's <laughs> fair. I like I to. get. Yeah. So she's not rejecting me. She's mm-hmm. not pushing me away, but she's saying, kind of Hey, this thing mm-hmm. I I'll do one up. I'll make it even better, mm-hmm. but I want to get the thing I want as well in exchange. Okay. Now, remember we're going to communicate this to each mm-hmm. other. So in fact, the thing I told my wife is the only, um, trick I'm ever going to play on you mm-hmm. is that I will always tell you what I'm doing. Right. Now I'm telling you what I'm doing because I know it will make it work better because you don't feel like a chess piece being moved Mm -hmm. around. You don't feel like you're being manipulated. But by putting it out in the light, being completely honest with you and doing it in a way that's smart. Mm -hmm. So it's not creating a new wound. It's, we call giving the keys of the kingdom. I'm Mm -hmm. telling you exactly how to be successful. I'm saying when you're not doing that thing, Mm -hmm. then I'm going to make time for you. And then- P.S., going back to the reward side, if she then stopped doing the thing Mm -hmm. I didn't want, or let's just use me. So she wants me to work less. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. So let's say that she said something like um, either, hey, uh, if you stop working early on a Wednesday night, uh, I'm going to light some candles and it's going to be sexy time. Mm -hmm. Okay, interesting. Because now that might be something that I would make a change in my pattern for because I want that thing. So now it's like, oh, whoa. Right. Okay. Now you've given me like a really cool incentive. Yeah. And what she's, she's being honest. I want more of your time. Mm-hmm. I understand how important it is for you to accomplish. You've always said that the marriage is more important. Here's something that I think could really bond us. Yeah. That's how we talk. Yeah. So now.
1: And I'm sorry, so sorry to interrupt, but in my that because I deal with people who suffer in relationships, I completely agree, and I'm in a very healthy state, so I understand that would work really well. But there are people that come to me and say, when I withdraw quality time from my partner and say you, you know, I'm not going to spend time with you, or even if I withdraw physically, it doesn't shake them, it doesn't bother them. In those cases, I do say that if your withdrawal doesn't seem to affect them, then unfortunately the relationship has lost its its bond. There's no bond left anymore it only works when two people want what you're when the person wants what you're depriving them of Mm. would you say that's um,
0: i would but i'll also send people back to your earlier statement we have a duty to one another's well-being and so the reason that this works is when if my wife were to say hey i need more of your time I'm not like, hey, you need to get on board. Like I told you Mm -hmm. I was going to work this much. I'm like, whoa, okay. So you feel disconnected. That's why we've made you Mm -hmm. the holder of the key. So when you tell me you need more time, I'm going to make more time. And so that's That's the part that I want to make sure that people are hearing. It has
1: to be the underlying thing. Because if you don't have a duty to their well-being, why are you with them? Well,
0: I could answer that question. You're with them because you're getting something Advantageous out of the relationship, yeah. but to your point that mm-hmm. that can quickly become an egotistical. I think is the yeah. word you used. Yeah, that you're satisfying uh, an ego drive yeah. rather than a human flourishing drive, yeah. and so. This is why, again, going back to values, you have to have a set of values that you live by. I live by my values, especially when they're inconvenient.
1: You know, I find your values so in line with religion. So really, I'm sorry to bring it back to that, but I, you know, sometimes I come across people who are more Muslim than I am or more religious than I am. And um, and then I, I just, I always admire people who have found those values independently. How did you get there?
0: Okay, so I often get made fun of for something, yeah. which is that in business, mm-hmm. I was trying to explain what makes me a good entrepreneur, and mm-hmm. I came up with this whole thing, and I handcrafted it, and I wrote it down, and I mm-hmm. read it to my team, and my team went, oh, that's the scientific method. And I was like, really? <laughs> now, you can make as much fun of me as you yeah. want for not knowing the scientific method. I didn't fucking study science.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, Or you can recognize that when people triangulate on the same thing from different disciplines, mm-hmm. that it probably means you've reached base truth. Mm-hmm. And the reason that a lot of my values probably sound like religion yeah. is because I have found values that work towards human flourishing. Right, And if and I'm just, right, that you, religion is just memes yeah. meant to lead you to human flourishing, yeah. then if if we didn't converge on mm-hmm. things one of us is almost certainly wrong
1: but you know like becoming so successful as a man um and then being able to access if you wanted to you could just go live wherever you want go any woman or anything like that what made you be like that none of that tempts me i'm good just su- succeeding and not you, women just isn't part of because the red pill space you're bombarded with men that are kind of taught that the moment you become successful you have to have a plethora of women that have have to look like this, have to do that, and that's what makes you happy. What advice would you give to them? As a man who's made probably double than they'll ever, ever, ever make, not, this is not to put anybody down, but it's just, on, it's like a, you're a freakishly successful, both of you. So yeah, what, how did, how, what advice would you give to people who are from that mind frame?
0: The only thing that matters in life is how you feel about yourself when you're by yourself. Yeah. That's going to be determined by the evolutionary algorithms running in your brain, mmm and the values that you choose to adopt in your life. Mm -hmm. And I know how I want to feel. And so I've built a value system that I think will make me feel that way. Mm -hmm. And I update my values constantly Mm -hmm. when something isn't leading me to that path. Mm -hmm. And I believe in love.
1: Yeah. And
0: Mm -hmm. I believe, I believe in love. I use, whenever I use the word love to my wife, I Mm -hmm. always capitalize the L Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and It is the thing before which I kneel. Right. So I don't just mean love like romance. Mm -hmm. I mean love like when you're fucking vomiting or you're afraid, like I might be dying right now. There's one person you want with you. And when that person is your best friend and the person who you trust and the person you know will run through a fucking wall for you. Yeah. Life does not have anything better to offer you. Yeah. Now- if I'm right about that, mm-hmm. thinking of that person as your adversary, mm-hmm. someone that you need to trick, yeah. is ludicrous. Yeah. Now, hear me, boys, mm-hmm. when I say I used to show up on the first date with a custom-written poem mm-hmm. for that person and flowers, <laughs> I was the caricature mm-hmm. because I really believed that's what was going to work. Right. And then I asked this guy that I knew was getting laid left, right, and mm-hmm. center. And he was gorgeous, by the way. He's yeah. like the, a model. He's mm-hmm. the guy that we well, I forget what they call him Chads. He was a Chad. Chad. <laughs> he was broke, but he was a Chad back then. In the, Chads
1: the, don't need to be rich. They just okay, had Yeah. perfect. So he, yeah. he was a Chad.
0: Yeah. Uh, and I was like, what is the key? And he said, uh, you have to treat him, be an asshole. Mm-hmm. I think it was his exact quote. And I. I was like, this is fucking stupid. I was like, there's no way. This is so fucking cliche. Yeah. And I know him. He's not an asshole. So I was like, okay, what does he actually mean? Mm -hmm. And I realized, oh, what he means is be confident. Yeah. I'm, I, I remember in high school, there was this girl, I really liked her a lot. Yeah. And we would be friends and she'd be into me. Mm -hmm. We'd start dating and then she wouldn't be into me anymore. And I remember asking her one time, why?
1: Yeah.
0: And she's like, when we're just friends, you're confident. And when we start dating and she probably wasn't this eloquent, but the (laughs) punchline was when we start dating, you fear losing me and you change. Yeah. And so when he said, be an asshole and I put it together, I was like, it was like the sixth sense. And I played my life back to what she said. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah. So then I was like, okay, I'm going to be me. And I'm I'm never again going to have fear of loss with a woman.
1: Yeah. So be you with the willingness to walk away. Yes. Yeah. Because here's the thing: I see a lot of you know the advice online is treat them, mean, keep him keen. And I know so many men that follow That's that advice. It's advice. terrible advice. And the reason why it's such terrible advice is the reality is if you play this game of treat him mean, keep him keen, you'll only attract a broken woman. A secure, healthy woman is not attracted to men who treats her mean. Correct. She's attracted to a man who has the willingness to leave if she misbehaves too much and And i don't mean that as a child just like no no a hundred percent
0: so you have to one everybody out there you have to become worthy of the person that you want to be with yeah so all 10 fingers pointed back at you why do you not have the girlfriend that you want because you've not earned that person but then it it's not about being an asshole it's not about treating the mean Mm -hmm. but you absolutely must have enough confidence that you're like this is how I want to be treated. This yeah. is how I want to feel. And hey, if, that, if I'm not your guy or I don't make you feel the way you want to feel, I fully respect that yeah. and, and I'm going to walk away. You will be shocked if you treat somebody well yeah. and then call them up fucking real short yeah. if they treat you poorly.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like I remember I had a, a girlfriend and um, she started pulling away from me. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, cool. I got it. Mm-hmm. And so I pulled back. And she came up to me and she was like, at the time I was thinking about moving to New York, long story, but she comes up and she's like, you didn't even tell me that you were planning to move to New York. And I was like, you made it clear that mm-hmm. you wanted more distance. And so I'm, I'm cool with that. I yeah. want you for this to be comfortable for you, but don't expect me to lean in as you're leaning out. Yeah. And she was like, Oh damn. Yeah. And so
1: super attractive. Yeah.
0: And the thing is that relationship ended because it was like word, like I just did not have a problem. And so if you can't, Like if you have insecurity in yourself Mm -hmm. where you're like, as they're leaning away, you lean in. Oh my God, you're going to be in for a rough time.
1: Unfortunately, and this is what a lot of men do, particularly in this generation, the younger generation, they'll pick a woman with all the red flags because she might be physically their type. Mm -hmm. So she might be posting lots of pictures that they don't like online. She might be going out drinking a lot and all these things. And what they'll do is take her and then try and exert their dominance and be like, you can't go out, you can't post like this. But the reality is when she knows that you don't have the willingness to walk away, Way she labels you as insecure mm. the guy that she's saying is insecure and the red pill men will say oh we're not insecure we're setting boundaries no 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 secure men don't need to micromanage they leave if they see that you're doing a behavior that's terrible they simply leave insecure men i hope men, they
0: communicate
1: it i hope they communicate it so here's it,
0: yeah. going back to if my wife had a, a 4 terabytes of dick pics <laughs> uh, i <laughs> I'm not insecure. I don't. One, I'm not a jealous person by nature, so I do have that advantage.
1: Have you ever been? Never. Oh, that's amazing. Where? That's. I mean,
0: maybe when I was young, I don't have any memory of ever being jealous. It's not my nature. But uh, it's not like it. I couldn't get in that position if I were feeling insecure. But the thing is, you want to, as someone does something that makes you feel insecure, you want to speak up. Yeah. So my wife and I have a rule that we speak in insecurities when we're arguing. Right. So when somebody gets mad, their insecurities have been triggered. Of yeah. this, I assure you. Yeah. And so now it's a game of how quickly can you admit that yeah. you're insecure? Now, if you're with somebody that will weaponize your insecurities, leave. Yeah. So my wife and I have a rule. You never, and I mean never. I don't care how mad you are. I don't even care what that person does to you. Yeah. My wife could have an affair with an entire football team. Mm-hmm. And I I will never be cruel to her. Mm. This is not who I want to be. I'll break up with her. I will never speak to her again. Are you
1: like that in general with other people outside of the relationship? I have
0: a huge belief. You need to be who you are in in divorce and in marriage. There's a a quote that I heard that I have let really uh, dominate how I am in -hmm. in life, not just in Mm -hmm. my marriage, but that you don't divorce the same person that you marry. Right. Which tells me that people um, code switch. Mm -hmm. And I don't fucking play that game. Right. I am who I am. Amazing. And... But that, again, that's all for you know, me. In
1: general, like you, you don't speak mean to people. Like say if you're fighting with your mom or your sister or something like that, you wouldn't be, you don't step out of line and stuff.
0: I can be very aggressive. You Let me be. be very clear. Mm-hmm. There are people who would say that I have been mean. But mm-hmm. if you ask them to repeat what I said, you'd probably characterize it as aggressive. Right. Because I can be very aggressive. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that, because I'm not a yeller, I no. don't scream. But I will boil things down to its simplest mm-hmm. thing. And that can often make people very uncomfortable right. when I'm okay. like, so you're saying X, Y, Z. Mm-hmm. And when you unvarnish something, yeah. you can make people very, very, mm-hmm. very uncomfortable. Okay. Um, but,
1: but in fights with yeah. Lisa, it will never get cruel.
0: No, never. Oh, Literally amazing. never, because you can't come back from that.
1: Yeah. It's and true. so
0: this is why people have got to build these, you have to build your value system before you get into the relationship. Yeah.
1: And, and what advice would you give to people who can't, who get so anxious and then and they get mean and stuff like that? What do you usually tell them? That's a you problem. It, it definitely is a you problem yeah. because there's nothing that can't be communicated effectively and calmly. If you are going hostile, chances are you've picked up a fighting system from your parents that involved hurting, that involved going below the belt, and then you're bringing that into your relationship and unfortunately punishing them for a system that they didn't help create in you. So if you have that nature, try. Your best to work on it, but also try not to partner up with somebody who also does that, because then Mm -hmm. it turns physical at some point. Yeah, unfortunately, that that has to be
0: completely. Yeah, it does. This is people have got to decide what kind of person do you want to be. Mm. Not only think about it vaguely, write it down. Yeah, what are your values? Mm -hmm. Like Lisa told me at the beginning of our relationship, if you ever cheat on me or beat me, I'm gone. Yeah, and she was like hard line, no second chances, no discussion. Yeah gone and knowing how stubborn she is that that would be that
1: yeah
0: and so i'm just like first of all i'm not drawn to either of those yeah but i was just like okay yep totally understood yeah um but also what were
1: your deal breakers with her
0: um i never had like Mm. big things like that but cheating would be a deal breaker if she ever cheated on me that would be the end Mm -hmm. of the story Um, would you
1: would you say if she hits you would you if a woman hit you would you leave no i know and it's unfortunate i actually recommend men to draw a line when it comes to physical hitting interesting um but they usually don't
0: so here's here is um how i would think about that so one i want to be very thoughtful because like that that the reason i wouldn't is i don't have an ounce of fear with my wife yeah if I was scared of her yeah and no judgment if I men. was scared of her th- then it, it might be very different yeah. because I would not stay in a relationship where I was afraid of the other person.
1: I have a lot of men that have physically abusive wives yeah that hit them and stuff let, and let uh, me uh, be very yeah. clear
0: hit me once doesn't mm-hmm. mean I'm going to divorce you. Yeah. Hit me twice we have a fucking problem. We
1: have a problem and it's not Because, because it's I clean.
0: we we will have Talked about Talk, that shit. Yeah,
1: and the, the thing is, it's not because of the pain. Of course, you can handle that, but there's a level of disrespect and an emotional volatility in people that hit, and um, and then we almost give women a pass with it. And I can imagine once in a blue moon something she over erupted, and I can imagine a like a pass with that. But some women do it as a form of conflict resolution, mm. and um, a lot of men don't speak up about it. But I do. Think, that's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, I,
0: I would never put up with yeah. that for the emotional reason. Yeah, that you are out of control.
1: Yeah, you're just not ready for a relationship. It's you're just you can't regulate yourself.
0: Yeah, yeah. and self regulation is mm. very much yeah. that is a tenet in my life. I would not be with a woman that mm. cannot emotionally regulate. Yeah,
1: and no they way. hit like, and it's a and it's something that's underspoken about, but it is uh, again, it's part of the um we we tiff when I talked about narcissistic women is because we've tilted it where women are automatic victims, and sometimes they are the narcissist in the relationship. I'll always have. Come to me for therapy, and they say my ex was a narcissist. And when you read her story, it might be that she was cheating on her husband with a guy, and saying that the you know her husband's a narcissist or the guy that she's cheating with is a narcissist. And their perception of what a narcissist looks like is so skewed because they're so holding on to the idea that they're a victim in the relationship. They just want to find a reason. So I do think that if you are with a woman who uses that word a lot, and a woman that uses physical aggression, be mindful. Yeah, just because it doesn't hurt doesn't mean it's not a deal breaker.
0: Yeah, it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. People,
1: Unfortunately. They, well,
0: people need to pursue emotional stability. Yeah. One of the things that I think has made Lisa and I's relationship work so well is yeah. she has a slightly more masculine temperament than mm-hmm. most women, and yeah. I have a slightly more feminine temperament yeah. than most guys. Mm-hmm. And so that brings us both closer to the mm-hmm. middle, which mm-hmm. really, really works.
1: Yeah. You to understand each other better.
0: Very much. Mm-hmm. And we just um, – she is – very emotionally regulated, does mm-hmm. not swing wildly with um, her cycle. Yeah. And so it makes her far more predictable yeah. for me. Um, and then yeah, I'm hyper communicative. Mm-hmm. I'm very in touch with my emotions. I have no problem speaking about my insecurities. Yeah. Uh, so things like that Amazing. certainly help. But one thing you've been very clear about is that people selection is really everything. It's How everything. do we get selection right?
1: Um. Unfortunately, and it's sometimes things that are out of their control, but one good indicator is um, their upbringing. And that doesn't mean it has to be perfect, but there was an element of some stability, some level of emotional stability. Now, when it's totally, totally chaotic, unfortunately, you're, you're, and I always say to men that your competition is not other men, it's her childhood. If it's totally chaotic, no matter how much stability you provide her, she'll find it very, very difficult to settle into that uh, stable relationship. But if there was, of course, there's up to now very few people escape childhood without some trauma. But if it was on the whole, she understood that love existed and, you know, uh, connection was always there. What will happen is she'll appreciate those things about you. But when it's so chaotic, unfortunately, there's so much work to undo. And if she hasn't started it, you can't finish it. So I I recommend that looking for somebody with some level of emotional regulation is really important. Um, But the other thing about selection is recognizing recognizing what you consider a deal breaker. If I consider sexual promiscuity a deal breaker and I'm with a partner who's really addicted to pornography, really wants to experiment, so on and so forth, there's nothing, no amount of love I can give them that will change their core needs and desires. And I shouldn't expect that. I shouldn't expect him to contort himself to fit my needs. So you look at what your deal breakers are. Now, if she or he is displaying them, don't be narcissistic enough to think that your love is enough to undo it. Unfortunately, they're allowed to do be the person they want to be. You're allowed to be the person you want to be. But almost watching all the red flags and going for it anyway is masochism. You're going to end up, uh, you know, uh, micromanaging. You're going to end up like holding them by the throat, getting them to behave, when really they should be allowed to be the person that they showed you they were from mm. the beginning. So selecting according to your own deal breakers is really important.
0: If somebody had a bad childhood, are they just damaged goods?
1: No, no, they're definitely not damaged goods. But one thing I would say is we underestimate the impact, particularly about the person that comes from a uh, damaged childhood. They seem to think that it's fine, it's not. It's, uh, but, but if they recognize that they have areas to work on and they have abandonment wounds, they are easy to be with. But if there's somebody who's in denial about that and genuinely believe that you're the cause of their emotional pain, unfortunately, no matter what you do, that emotional pain, that wound that predates you is always going to be inflamed. And they're always going to blame and expect you to soothe them. So it's always good to be with somebody who, even if they've got a damaged childhood, recognizes that damage, that then you're onto a healthy relationship.
0: How do you advise people to identify and deal with their insecurities?
1: Um, Recognize, that are you having a disproportionate reaction to the event? If for example my partner hasn't replied to my message and I'm starting to get really panicked and really angry and so and so and really hostile I'm having a disproportionate reaction. So that's an insight into there's an insecurity there. I'm making assumptions and I'm causing myself emotional pain. So where how you recognize it is your disproportionate reaction and then how you cope with it is either soothing yourself or communicating with your partner and letting them know that you're having a disproportionate reaction and allowing them to soothe you. But just simply reacting to your emotions And then expecting and causing more chaos is only going to exasperate your existing insecurities, unfortunately. Mm. And that's why having a healthy partner is so important, because they recognize that you have these issues and they offer you soothing. But having an avoidant partner will see that your insecurities as a you problem and then just not want anything to do with your issues. And then you end up just driving yourself insane. So it's very difficult.